War Room Hockey Podcast, episode 93. Yeah. Closer and closer to 100. 93. Uh, this week we are... That's almost what? Seven? Seven more? Help me out. 93. Uh, well, this is 93, so counting this one would be eight. So oh. counting this one, it's eight. Okay. Um, then it's seven. Showing off my math skills. Yes, clearly. Well, Speaking you, of math you, skills, that's no. It doesn't. The joke doesn't fly because you've made a, a living <laughs> using very successful, simple math. And that's so, true. <laughs> so, but anyways, this week, um, how long ago was it now since we had those technical difficulties? Two or three weeks. Two or three weeks ago. Two or three weeks. We tried to record this episode. And had some technical difficulties. Hopefully, we don't have those this time. We'll see how that goes. Um, not a lot's changed. No, not a lot's changed. So we're, we're, we'll try and recap some things we spent 40 minutes talking about before it failed. Um, but 93, uh, number of new things, though, have come up since then. Um, Jimmy Hayes passed away. Yeah, what a shame. Suddenly, uh, no information there. We won't speculate on it. Uh, it's no. not fair to do so. But uh, Roger Bear, Roger Bear, and uh, Jack Eichel changed agents. It's probably a good move. It wasn't working what, the other who'd way. Who'd he go? Brisson. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I think Brisson. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, Brisson so, does good work. Uh, we'll get into all that. Uh, you and I can uh, recap real quick uh, what we discussed. Two or three weeks ago, we we did go into detail a little bit on Evander Kane. Uh, we have our we have our resident goaltender expert and uh, and Ducks fan with us today. Howdy, folks. <laughs> We're gonna. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about all this. But yeah, we had talked about Evander Kane a little bit. Who I just want to say I don't know the guy. Don't know anything about what's going on. I take anything from a bitter de- bitter ex wife with a little bit of a, a context. But one thing that's not in doubt, if you're going to make 60 or $70 million in your career and still be upside down in debt and bankrupt, you've got to be the world's worst gambler. Absolutely the world's worst. Yep. I mean, like we're talking John Daly bad, Mike Tyson. This is, this is colossal level bad gambling. Stop doing that. Commander, yep. find a new hobby. Yep. Something that doesn't cost 500000 an hour. Anyway, though, he has come out, Vander Kane has come out now and accused his wife. I don't know if you saw that. He's now thrown accusations at her. I don't have the article in front of me on specifically what he said. but This just gets, if you thought it couldn't get any dumber, it does. Uh, what, anyway. what were we saying on the way over here, Owen? I think he's giving Revo some fuel. I can't wait to hear what Ryan Reeves has to say when Vander Kane says that his ex-wife was being mean to him. She the guy was, who the guy who trains boxing in the off season, <laughs> named after a famous boxer. He's yeah. he's getting beat up by his wife, oh, and gosh. he's millions of dollars in debt. And nobody on the Sharks wants him there anymore. So he's kind of in a bit of a pickle here. And he was floating are, around in Europe. Blowing money for weeks at a time. He's got kids. What are the here? odds that he stays in San Jose at the start of the year? I don't. Do they yeah. move him? What are the odds he stays in the NHL? Well, there's been re- there's been reports that there were multiple Sharks players that said that they have no interest in playing on the team if he's around. So he's gonna kind of put the Sharks in a bit of a tough spot. Nobody's gonna nobody in the league's gonna want him. They're not gonna want his cap hit. The Sharks aren't gonna want to give him away for free. But 
he's either going to have to clean his act up or the uh, the teammates that said they don't want to no. be there are going to have to, you know, figure out how to get along. I know he and Bufflin had a hard time getting along in Winnipeg. I was just going to say. Remember a story about <laughs> Bufflin throwing Kane's clothes in the shower during practice. And so he's... He's not exactly a popular guy wherever he goes. He's no. got a, he's got a, some character problems to figure out for sure. Can you spell K H L? Before we transition, to anything else? Uh, we will also recap uh, what we touched on two or three weeks ago, or tried to touch on um, the Zadorov McKinnon story. We spent yeah. a good amount of time talking about that. Yeah, I like that. That was uh, that was fun to. Fun to hear what Zadorov had to say about McKinnon. That, yeah. And, and it, that goes with a lot of our character discussions and heart discussions. Every kid needs to hear that. Yep. Well, there's a, anybody who knows the game will know it's a good thing. Absolutely. Anybody who doesn't will go, will, will go down the rabbit hole of what kind of dictator Nathan McKinnon is. Right. You know, on, a- on and off the ice in the locker room, all that stuff. But anybody who's actually competed, no matter the level, from varsity high school to division two to whatever else, anybody who's actually competed in a competitive hockey game and been in that locker room where you want to win and you want to this and that, you get it. Well, there's a, there's a fine line between leadership and dictatorship and, you know, wanting to lead the guys and, you know, follow, you know, lead by example and have them follow versus, you know, determining what it is they do pregame and what, you know, trying to influence them in some manner and take them out of their, pregame ritual but because yeah. i because i read because i read mckinnon mckinnon uh from ryan graves actually ryan graves came out after zadorov's comments and everything and R- graves said mckinnon doesn't make anybody do anything yeah but he but what mckinnon has done through good leadership is he set he's created the culture in the colorado dressing room that players just want to because they see how good he is and they go i want to compete like that so they want to so they join so they join him on tape to tape passes in practice and not settling for less they join him on the crazy diets and the and whatever because they want to be that successful he's not making them do anything no no but but you know ask anybody who played alongside mark messier that's all or anybody else who was, or, or uh, you know, in a quieter way, Sid, or Joe Sackick, or Gordy, or anybody else. I mean, the good guys just have not only God-given talent, but they've got will. The, they've got will that average people don't have. And not, even, not just average. They've got like one percenter will. Okay. Well, transitioning, I do want to, because we have our favorite goaltender here, and we don't have him here every week, uh, I do want to go back on something you and I have touched on number of episodes ago but i want to get his take before the season starts you and i went through we did our preseason stuff preseason predictions who's coming out of the east who's coming out of the west i want to hear owen's take on east and west champions for the stanley cup final who do you like gosh i don't know it's kind of it's kind of hard to ignore philadelphia's additions i kind of had them i had them highly ranked last year and that was a bit of a mistake but they check three for three on the philadelphia statement if hart can if hart can turn it around i think the they've filled all the holes that they need to fill and i think they're a threat in the east you can't ignore the islanders with their goaltending and trots and you know lou and those guys and their success they've had in the playoffs check again you can't ignore tampa bay despite you know some of the guys that they've lost they're still tampa bay Mm -hmm. and they've got you know they've got the playoff experience now for sure and 
in the West, it's kind of hard to ignore Colorado and Vegas. They seem to be the favorites for both of their divisions. I don't think the Pacific division is going to be strong at all. I think the second best team in that division will be Edmonton, and I don't see them being that great anyway. So I think the I think the competitiveness will come out of the Central with Colorado. I think Winnipeg is, has tried to get better. They've they've filled the holes that they need, and outside of those outside of that, I think it's kind of a two horse race. I am I, 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 Vegas the, is Vegas has peaked. It, I was just going to say with Vegas. They're just they, in a weak division. They well, no they're players. they're in a weak division, so it makes them look tremendous. But but Vegas and Tampa, for example, they, Vegas hasn't obviously won the Stanley Cup, but Vegas is still new enough. But you can't use that as an excuse anymore. Tampa's created a culture yeah. to where now guys can leave in free agency or cap this or trade that. But you've got a culture, so now a Cal Foot can step in on the back end, or you can bring back Andre Schuster like they have, or you can do, you know, do these different things, and it's the culture and and everything like that. Competitive winning teams do that. Yes. Nathan McKinnon's created that in Colorado. Coaching Tampa, staff, yeah, coaching staff, coaching staff, Cooper, and everybody in Tampa has created this culture. So now, interchange the parts, but the culture is the culture. Whereas in Vegas, Vegas. The way they've built themselves from the expansion draft till now, and the way they've handled it, they are. There's not real culture there. No. They're, they're in win now. They're, they're, they've been in win now since the, since they were birthed into the league. They still and, have an Achilles heel, though, guys, and it is Mark Andre Fleury in Chicago, and their their hopes are now rest solely on Robin Leonard. I have to be a little bit wary of uh, Leonard's mental strength. I know he. And I don't mean that in a, in a, you know, mental illness like he's spoken out type of way. I just simply mean no, that in a that. in a rattling way. He seems to get rattled at, you know, voices on Twitter or, you know, yeah. he was very rattled at the at Flurry's agent's photo. With, you know, everyone's yeah. trying to create a culture to stab me in the back. You know, and all that. Well, crap. He, and, he seems very rattled even during this off season with. With the only vocal. reason I'm the only reason I'm not paid like a Bobrovsky or anybody like that is because I've been so open about mental health. Oh, he and, he signed his contract, and so I don't know what he's complaining so, about anymore. Right. But I, I think he can be he can be a wall. He's shown that, but you know, he, I just I I'm skeptical of his mental capacity to main, remain focused. Is all there are. So, if you remember three years ago. Tampa uh, getting swept in the first round by Columbus. Then they won back-to-back cups. Yep. Case closed on leadership, on coaching staff and everything. Who else is in that position? Could you put Toronto and Colorado both in that same boat right now? Maybe the Jets? I think in, Colorado. In terms, of, in terms, in of, terms of, of losing and then getting really, it? Uh, really, really good teams, well-built teams with everything that you possibly could want and just simply haven't put it put it together yet i think colorado's in that boat they got a little unlucky during the quarantine playoffs with injuries they got pretty decimated definitely but yeah last year i think they definitely underachieved in the postseason and i think they're all kind of feeling the heat a little bit and coming from a conference i think that is weaker than the east they're going to have pretty high expectations to go to go far absolutely and i don't mean far as in second or third round i mean far Yeah. yeah cup final type appearance i think anything short of a cup final appearance for colorado is is a disappointment i think they're ready to do it i mean 
I've I've been an advocate though of for years. You know, yeah, it's a game of bounces, and yeah, these things happen. But at the end of the day, if you're, you know, you go out and compete, and if you want to win, then you got to win with what you have on the ice. And be right. And so, unlucky during the quarantine playoffs, but you know, Hutchison, believe it or not, actually. He was not compared lame. to what Hutchinson normally does. Yeah. Stood on his head, right? And so he you, gave him a chance. You just didn't capitalize on your end Correct. with what Hutchinson did. So you, there's bounces, but there's also getting the job done. So we'll we'll see. I I don't know. I the Pacific Division clearly is the weakest out of all the divisions. Agreed. And I then do- the Eastern Conference. It's hard to look at the divisions in the Eastern Conference and find a weak team. Yeah. With oh. exception of maybe Detroit, and even Detroit. Buffalo. Detroit has improved. Buffalo, yeah. I think the Devils have taken a huge step. The Devils have taken a huge step. Right. The Senators have taken a huge step. Yep. And believe it or not, it may not seem like it in terms of of range, but Detroit's taken a, a step. I think so, Pittsburgh and Washington will both fall. I don't think they'll have the. I don't think they'll finish where people will expect them to. I think they're on. They're both on the decline. Washington for sure. Pittsburgh probably, and they're they're a little bit fragile. Uh, I I'm with you on the Islanders. We all agree on that, and that was the first one of our first choices when we talked about it a, here a month ago. But you know, then you've got to you've got to look at Montreal uh, because now you know their history does a lot for you, and I like. Again, I like what they're doing, and we need to get to Kotkaniemi here in a couple minutes. And also, speaking of Buffalo, we got to get to the Eichel story because that's just a that's a quagmire that is not going anywhere. Well, I want to I want to make a mention on some not probably a team that you know hasn't been mentioned much, but a, a dark horse pick. You know, if you're a betting man and you want to get you know and put some money on a on a dark horse pick to win the cup. I mean, what about the Rangers? Yeah, I, they got Shesterkin's coming into another year. Panarin and Zibanejad have solidified themselves as probably t- at least top twenty guys in the league. You know, point per game type players. And they've Laugh, added what they were Laugh missing. Laugh could break out this year. Strong's overachieved. Yes, and they filled they, some holes. I think the Rangers are a team to they added compete. They yeah. may not be a favorite to win the division or go far, but I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna surprise a lot of a lot of teams this year. They've done an absolutely stellar job of rebuilding on the fly, and rebuilding from the absence of Lundqvist. And going on down that roster, and getting lucky in the lottery. Yeah, and you have to presume amongst all that that at some point soon, Lafreniere is going to become Lafreniere again. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with good point there on the Rangers for sure. Yeah. So, Rangers are. I'll agree, they're a dark horse. I. Um, another team that we don't talk about a whole lot, and. I think isn't going away despite certain things is um, Florida. Well, look, would you you're if you've got goaltending and they they've got pretty good goaltending in Bobrovsky, unproven yet, but yeah, okay. Their their goaltending but to me is the is the biggest question. Got the what they've done the past couple of years in the off season and doing things, they are a team that's not going away. They're going to no. continue to compete. They may not be done they, getting better yet. If they if they buy out Bobrovsky or they do whatever they need to goaltending wise, I think they can. I think they can be as big of a force in the East as anybody else. Yep. And when you've got Q behind the bench, you're and you're Glenville never... is a is a piece you just can't ignore. Right. But um, but we don't talk about Florida a whole lot. No, nobody and, does. And 
Florida, I think, needs to be needs to be mentioned yep. at least. There would be nice a little bit to see that franchise finally do something and put some people back in that building. But well, they still have some some young prospects um, coming along. Tippett has still yeah, got yeah. lots to develop. He's just uh, starting. Who's the Finn? Oh, uh, I can't. Markov? No, he's a prospect. He's a prospect. He's a new prospect. He's not Borgstrom because he was traded to Chicago. I'm drawing a blank. I can look it up here while we're while we're talking. So but guys- um, to move on before we get to Eichel and before we get to things. Um, I'll see now. I've lost my train of thought. So we're gonna we're gonna move forward. It'll come back. It'll come back. We're gonna move forward. Um, there's Eichel. There's it's it's Heponiemi and Denisenko. Denisenko. The okay. Heponiemi is the the Finn. Denisenko is the Russian. Um, but th- those are quality prospects. If you ignore the Russian factor in Denisenko and and all this stuff, those are quality prospects. Or guys that overachieve like Carter Verhage. I, and that's a. I think that nowhere. goes right to Q and and Drieger is going to be a big loss. Uh, Uberdo is one of the most, if not the most, underrated player in the league. I wouldn't be surprised to see Knight, you know, get the net towards the end or you know the latter I part of the season. Either. I wouldn't either. And man, oh man, if Knight can play well, then it's then to me. To go with what we just were talking about, that solves their goaltending issue, and now they're they're a force. Yep. If Knight can really be the goaltender if, that they hope for him to be, or if Bob goes back to his Vezina, I mean, there's a reason why he got paid so much. He's capable. I think he's a little inconsistent, but he's certainly capable of having a Vezina season, especially behind a good team. So, I mean, he's, either way, oh, it came back to me. It came back to me before we get to Eichel and all the other stuff. The ongoing drama in the <laughs> desert in Arizona with. Uh, Moving out of Glendale or back to Glendale or whatever, moving out the of hell's, whatever the hell's going on. That's the best and, name for him. Yep. You know, potentially building like a, a hockey sports village with a new arena the way they've done in St. Louis. With right. the, well, I know, they've, like I know they've started to construct an arena for Arizona State. I think a 5,000 seat arena. So they won't be sharing ice with them. But, well, you know, something if they just if they move, they don't draw 5,000, do they? Arizona State? No, the Coyotes. <laughs> they don't in Glendale. They will in they will in in East Phoenix. They do. I don't the know why I bring out Arizona because no, all it's, it's just I, admit. Okay, okay, I won't. They do. They don't in Glendale because nobody goes out there. It's it's like an it's, hour and a half. I mean, yeah. if if you move it to Tempe, where all the younger people are anyway, with ASU there and ASU's building NCAA program, they're gonna get they're gonna it's get gonna more fans up. and. The team's in a bit of a tough spot. They're not going to be a good team for a few years, but they're rebuilding. I think they have five second-round picks next year alone. So Where are they going to play? They're, this is their last year in Glendale. Where are they going to play until they get a building? Any ideas? I don't, I don't start, know. Either, they might have to play where Arizona State is. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the thing with, with Arizona is I think it's an anomaly that they lack the fans. That that's a that's a place right in the time frame that a bunch of Canadians and everybody flies south for the for the winter time. Canadians love their hockey. You know, it's it's warm. It's warm in Arizona. People like it. It's a d- vacation time, and hockey games are a thing to do with your buddies. Grab some beer and go to a hockey Arizona. I no matter. No matter how good they are, that's a destination hockey game for people to go to. If they don't have to, if people don't have to drive the equivalent of two hours 
just one way to get there. Look at Vegas. Vegas's building is right where it needs to be and it's packed. You can't get in the place. So I agree with you. The location hurts them. The when you when you go to that building in the winter, if the Canucks, Flames, and Oilers are in town, the building has got probably twelve thousand in it, ten thousand of which are visiting fans. But those are people that don't have jobs. They're they're people down there for four, five, six months. So they can they can leave at two in the afternoon and get to the game. When you work in Scottsdale or downtown or something, you cannot get there in time. So I agree. The, the building's got to move. It should have been done a long time ago. Ottawa has the same problem. Yeah. And the only difference is Ottawa can draw because of the culture of that area and the culture of the market. Phoenix yeah. doesn't have that. So Ottawa, with that building out in Canada, they've gotten away with it for a long time because they were good for a long time yeah. and because the people will come from they've everywhere. They've struggled in years, in recent years with attendance, yeah. but they've been just so, so the bad. The other team to look at that real quick is... Um, and obviously for different reasons, um, safety-wise, is New Jersey. Yeah. It's, know, nobody wants to leave their car unattended for three hours in Newark, so. <laughs> and, and this is mere speculation. Nobody's even mentioned it. So this is just top of my head, just theory. Do they move Prudential Center out of Newark? Uh, they, they just, just moved into it. that. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, it's like five years old. Yeah, yeah. they're kind of stuck there. They, the best thing for them is to put a winning product on the ice, and people won't care as much. Yeah. Not a good spot at all. But what are you going to do with it now? You got a new building and a and a up and coming team, so probably not. But be a shame. I and and look how look how much now that the league is sixteen on either side of the conferences. There stands a bunch of franchises that struggle to make a living, that hemorrhage money every year, and here sits Quebec City with a new building and nothing to do. It's kind of a shame. But it is, but money talks, and yep. if Quebec, if the city, if the city and and everything in Quebec doesn't have the funds to do so, because the the price of of organizations is going up first of all for expansion which isn't going to happen but even the price to relocate a team is not going to be cheap so no they and they're not the league will not let them relocate and just a quick side note 25 30 years ago before Bettman when John Ziegler was was the head of the league teams just phoned and said oh by the way we sold our franchise last month we're moving to fill in the blank Hartford's moving to Carolina you know we're just moving wherever we feel like moving because I just cashed the check you simply do not do that anymore it's now it is a long long vetting process and so they're not there's nobody moving I don't I don't see anyone moving if you've if you have stuck with Florida and, and Arizona and so at times off and on Dallas and Carolina and even Nashville if you've stuck through those and to where some of those franchises are now very, very solid, there's nobody going anyplace. Yeah. couple final uh, headlines. Eichel and Kakaniemi. We'll start with Kakaniemi. He was offer-sheeted by Carolina. One year, $6.1 million. Uh, Montreal has until September 4th to match the offer um, and keep Kakaniemi. I don't care what Travis Yost says. That was an up yours from Don Waddell. It's all well, after Aho, after Aho, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, compensation to the team uh, losing the player to the, to an offer sheet escalates from no compensation for a contract worth 1.36 or less per season to four first round draft picks. Yeah, for ten uh, for a 10 contract million? worth more than 10.28. Yeah. yeah, they get a first and a third for yeah. his contract if they don't match it. Correct. The last and this is 
interesting note, the last offer sheet um, that led to a player changing teams was Dustin Penner from Anaheim. Yeah, and and Berkey is still, Burke and Kevin Lowe are still <laughs> grumbling about that. But look, it's within the rules. Yeah. It just isn't done. And you yeah. can see that. So Bergevin offered Aho uh, an RFA offer sheet. Don Waddell comes back a couple of years later and says, who's laughing now, bud? Marner reportedly rejected two offer sheets a couple of years ago when he signed his deal. He yeah. didn't even want to accept them because he didn't want to play in Columbus, and I don't know who the other one was. Uh, he wanted to stay in yeah. Toronto, and he knew he'd get paid by them anyway. So, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of offer sheets that go out that we don't hear about because they're just simply not accepted, no matter not what accepted, the money is. Yeah. Yeah. Does Kakaniemi... Uh, well, Kakaniemi has n- really no say in it at this point. Does Bergevin match? Well, if Kakaniemi's already signed the offer in Carolina, which he has, right? Well, Aho also accepted Montreal's. Yeah, okay. But if, if that offer sheet's already been accepted by Kakaniemi, Bergevin has to match it. And I don't I don't know if I wouldn't well, that's rather. That's my question. Does Bergevin, he match it? I'd, I'd rather have a first and a third than Kakaniemi at this point. But... He may be just turning a corner. Too. Here's a hypothetical. What if they let him go and then immediately try to offer sheet Pedersen? <laughs> we don't need his 6.1. We'll try, you know, we'll take the take the money we would have saved had we given Kakanyami the contract they wanted and, you know, try to offer sheet Pedersen. I mean, I don't know. I here's so that's, this is that's kind the of other team the, to talk about Vancouver. Yeah. Are they on the rise now with Ekman Larson and things or are they or are they just a, a mess right now of what's going to happen? They're well coached. I don't know. It's a, it, a side but note anyway. on Mark Bergevin, though. Yep. In light of his draft pick, which was unfairly unpopular. Did we talk about that one? We did. did. That part, did that get we canned did. with the... Uh, okay. We did. Uh, after that draft pick, which even Jeff Molson came out and criticized, maybe to save face, maybe that was just, a, that was just window dressing, but... That and the offer sheet for Aho, I, I'm, I'm going to take my phone off the hook for a while if I'm him. Just keep your head down. Don't cause any more problems for yourself. Don't make any more headlines. You made the finals, then you stepped in it at the draft, which you, you know, which is all social media BS. But just keep your head down. First of all, you you'll never get a decent trade again if you make another offer sheet. And secondly, you got to you got to ride the wave while you're successful. Now yeah. you're okay in Montreal, so just shut up. Yeah, but we did talk about it. We we did talk about the draft. We okay. we bo- both agreed that what Montreal should have done was not taking the kid in the first round. Right. <laughs> taking him in the first round is yeah. is the problem. Yep. Don't do it. Drafting on the first day. drafting a kid who and I don't know the situation. I'm not going to get into it. No. But Drafting a kid f- who may or may not have just made a typical teenage mistake yep. rather than something deviantly criminal. And again, th- that's not me saying one way or the other. I'm just saying to prove my point. Is To me, is not the issue. Taking him in the first round on the heels of all this coming out, that's the issue. Let's not, let's not get too distracted from the Kakanyami yeah, discussion. Okay, that's where we started. Huh. <laughs> Imagine you keeping us on point. Okay, they yeah, don't have a lot. They don't have a lot of center depth. So I mean, it's going to be tough if they don't match because I think they got what well, they got: Suzuki, Evans, Paquette, 
I think Bell's Isle is the other one. I mean, they don't have any – I mean, can they shift anyone else to center? I don't know if they can afford to lose Kotkaniemi. I know he was scratched in the cup final, you know, in the playoffs a couple times, but, you know, they've – you know, their roster has changed since then. So I really don't know if they can afford to – unless they're going to try to acquire somebody else, afford to lose a guy like that. You think they're – I mean, it's one year. If you overpay him for one year – you know, it might be kind of a difficult conversation next year in saying, I know you got paid six last year, but that wasn't our idea. So here's three and a half or something, you right. know, unless he overachieves. But well, I, they're not going to be paying Weber this year. So they probably got a little bit of space there. Yeah. I don't. It, one thing that might be helpful in this whole decision is if Montreal's in on Jack Eichel. Well, not. I never thought about that, actually. But if they're uh, if if they're going to ever see Jonathan Drouin again. There's no news about Drouin. He left for, what was it, a personal family thing or whatever? He just said personally. There's no details. And then really. the Radio last silence. I heard was he could potentially be back for this new season, but then that was it. Yeah. There was no details. And so you know there's something going on there the same way no no details about Jimmy Hayes. Right. So you know there's no there's something going on. We won't speculate. Leave it at that. But you know there's more to it than just simply personal leave yeah. if, they're, if they're not talking about whether Drew Ann's going to come back. And, you know, I, I get it. And you, Tell me if you guys agree. Yeah, you're a player. And, yes, you, you, know, you belong to the team. You belong to the public. That's who pays your rent. But at some point when somebody says no comment, personal reasons, we all have to leave that alone. Yeah. Like, until a guy starts hiding behind that every time he does something ignorant, now you can't do that anymore. You don't get to play that card over and over. Well, you're li- you're living as a professional athlete compared to li- making a living nowadays in like social media or something. Is you are not a slave to the public, right? It is in your contract. It's to in your contract media. to be yeah. to be at the press and to be do those things to a point. But you are not a slave to the public. You have every right to walk through an airport and say would love to I don't have time yeah. and keep going like you're you're not a slave to the public where whereas the the privacy thing with social media goes out the window if you have how many followers and how many this and that and then oh by the way I'm not going to share with my with my fans and my people that this is going on you don't get to do that you you let them in on every other aspect right so it's different yeah. if you're professional if, athlete is not a slave to the public family issues health issues maybe even you know especially if it's an addiction thing or something like that you just you need some time to yourself it happens with a lot of guys it happens to the best of them let them go through I think, what uh, do you what do you say think, about Kotkaniemi well I was I was going to I was going to say I, I think a good segue on that would be into the Jack Eichel situation as he's been very vocal on social media and he's I think hurt himself by voicing so much displeasure in Buffalo and wanting out so badly that you know everybody knows he's kind of handicapped himself now and teams aren't willing to pay for him what he's worth because they know he doesn't want to be there and I think he made that mistake uh, especially with some of the tweets that he you know created I think I think his big mistake was tipping his hand and now you know, any way you look at it, does Adams hold the cards because he knows he wants out, but he's going to wait till he gets what he wants? Does Eichel hold the cards because, you know, he's voiced so much displeasure that teams aren't willing to pay? I mean, what kind of a situation, you know, who do you think breaks first? Because if Eichel had just kept his mouth shut for another year, he'd have a no movement clause, and yes. then he could pick where he goes, and they could get the return they want. And he's, you know, I understand nobody wants to lose. Losing sucks, and he's done everything he can for that franchise in the last five years, but... 
I think he I think he made a couple of you know young person mistakes in terms of being too public with his displeasure and that's Boom. kind of why I, that's so, why we don't have a resolution yet. Yeah. So listen, tell me what common thread we have here between Evander Kane and Eichel and a lot of these other issues. Think what you want, do what you want, behave how you want, but as soon as you go public, so Eichel cost himself about 400 grand per tweet every time he said something, his stock went down. Evander Kane is coming out and making a, a ridiculously dopey situation much worse by tweeting and talking about his ex-wife and all that dress. It just, if guys would just shut up, there's nothing wrong with being dissatisfied where you are. I don't blame Jack Eichel for being dissatisfied in Buffalo. I blame him for going public with him. Go in and shut the door. Shut your phone off and sneak in there in a rubber nose and glasses and have it out with Kevin Adams. Well, it would, Don't it would, do it in the difference, It would provide the for a better circumstance because if he had just gone in there quietly and said, listen, I don't want to be here anymore, yeah. and the, the whole league didn't know that, then teams would pony up what Adams wants, and right. he would get what he wants, and Eichel would have gotten dealt quicker. My point. Yeah. I mean, you look back, you know, Duchesne made a fuss in Colorado before he was traded. Right. Not Didn't really hold out because he didn't miss any games or any camp, but he didn't show up to the optional yet not so optional captain skate. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, came in fashionably late and he was very clearly not pleased and all this stuff. It's a whole, di- it's a different thing than what's going on, but, you know, Don't you see what happens. Yeah. And it's a different, it's also a different thing. Kane is a, this is a potential criminal Thing compared to Eichel just kind of going, look, I'm done with losing. Right. Pay me my money and move me. It's a different in that scale, but it the common thread is no matter how old you are, just shut up. Yeah. Remember the uh, Eric Carlson, Mike Hoffman problem a few years ago? Stay out of social media with it. Don't talk to the press. Don't do any of that stuff. Like, I don't understand why people feel that compulsion. I don't get that. But Eichel, great player, really to do himself any favors, like you just said, get, stay, just stay quiet. Work it out with the GM. Nobody's going to pay what he's worth now. He's going to get stuck. Then Buffalo's going to get stuck because his no move will be. In, uh, it's just ugly. And it's all because it all came out in public. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Well, where do we see him going when it's a re- resolution? Oh, there's, there's a resolution. A handful of teams. I think Calgary and Montreal, uh, LA has been kicking tires. I know the, the Blues even, you know, inquired because they're trying to get rid of Tarasenko. And yeah. Anaheim's been in rumors. But does I don't does know. Minnesota make a big play if they can't land Kaprizov? No, that Kip, Kaprizov is just being greedy. He he never had a deal in place in the KHL. That was just a negotiation tactic. <laughs> uh, he plays one season, doesn't quite get a point per game. Obviously, he's got the potential to be you know maybe even a hundred point guy in the future. But th- why he played one season and he wants ten million on on term? I mean, you got to you kind of you, you got to earn your stripes there. So I don't think uh, I don't think they're. I don't think they're not going to get it done. I think he's going to want to play. He doesn't have a deal in the KHL. And he'll probably take a bridge deal to the tune of something, maybe seven and a half, eight for two years or three years or something. Prove himself over those two years, you know, like Kucherov did. Kuch, yep. And, and then take your, you know, what instead of, you know, getting nine and a half on long term, then after a bridge deal, then maybe you get ten and a half or 10.7 or something like that. Wait you get a little bit cap. overpaid. Yeah. So I, I don't think Minnesota has 
anything to do with Jack Eichel. I think they're focused on Kaprizov, and I think they're going to have to overpay him for what he's worth right now. But So when you combine teams that have the prospects and the cap space and the flexibility and also the, the a GM has to be fairly aggressive to make a move like this. Who do you come up with when you start whittling, when you start lopping off teams that don't make qualification on each one of these cuts? Who do you end up with? For Eichel? Yeah. I think LA. LA's in there. Calgary, Anaheim. St. Louis can be in there if they get rid of Tarasenko. But that's also big on who else St. Louis is in on and who they're they're looking. There's rumors that St. Louis wants Mayfield out of Long Island, you know, all these things. Again, again, even moving Tarasenko, I wonder how they could do it long term with the likes of an eight million dollar guy and Tory Krug and then they don't have the cap and right then, now you know all this stuff but I don't think they even have enough money to pay Robert Thomas. I think he I think they only have two point something in space and he wants two five or something like that. So they got some serious cap to figure out and Tarasenko deal will obviously help that because I think he's what seven, seven and a half. But something like that. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think Calgary, LA, Anaheim are kind of the front runners in terms of who has cap and prospects. I don't you know, I don't think Eichel would be worth getting rid of a guy like Drysdale or Zegras. Uh, Calgary has options with guys like Coronado or maybe just a, you know, a kind of a hockey deal, including Monahan, who could use a change of scenery. But Goudreau, um, yeah, either one of those guys, and then you know a prospect and some picks. But you know, outside of those three teams, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Montreal has the pieces to to land Eichel. They have to who shed the, a lot of salary. Who of the teams with the pieces though? would also give Eichel ultimately what he's looking for, which is wins. Well, not Anaheim. LA's, I think, on the rise. Anaheim, I don't think, is going to succeed in, you know, for another couple of years if Bob gets, you know, stops sitting on his hands and actually tries to improve. Um, and then, you know, a, a, you know, a team like Calgary, I think, is kind of middling. They could just as easily drop to the bottom as they could compete for that division. So it's kind of heard up the, in the air. Heard the Manhattan rumors on Eichel? Yeah, New York, the Rangers, I, I think Zabanejad was rumored to be what they wanted out of that. I think that'd be a dumb deal. Yeah. Um, you know, give give up a you know, give up a couple of prospects and some picks if you're if but if you're New York in that situation and you're not giving away someone with cap or with uh, giving away a prospect who will garner a lot of a big cap hit in the future, they're going to find themselves strapped on cash here when they have to re-sign Kako and Laugh if they produce better. Uh, Zabanejad makes a lot. Panarin already makes 12. Shesterkin's on a pretty friendly deal, but it's not long-term. So, I mean, if they get a $10 million Eichel cap hit, they're going to have to figure something out. Fox is going to be due $9 million like all yeah. the other guys. So would, Anybody you talk to is going to have to shed a lot of overhead. They've got to, they've got to drop a lot of cap. I think something that might help Adams get a deal done for the players and pieces that he wants is if he offers to keep maybe two and a half and then a team could get Eichel for seven and a half. Yeah. Adams could get his picks and prospects and get a deal done faster. So he, you know, it, as crappy as that is for Buffalo, they certainly don't have a lot of big cap hits. No. Um, and the ones that they do Skinner and Ocpozo and stuff, you know, don't handicap them too much. So I think maybe eating a couple million of Eichel's salary would help get a deal done faster for somebody or for the pieces that Adams wants. Is Ocpozo too old to buy out? I don't know. What's don't the buy? What's the buyout 35. age? Thirty? No, I think he's thirty-two. Is okay. thirty-five right? The buyout. Yeah, right. Um, I think he's thirty-two. Thirty. So one 30. of those guys has got to go. Plays Skinner like he's, or, plays or like he's thirty-seven. Got go. They got. I, I. I put Skinner on waivers. Buyout Ocpozo, and 
and then keep two or three million of Eichel's salary, and you probably can get a deal. Maybe you maybe you get him to Calgary for Monahan and or Goudreau, and a pick and a prospect. I don't know. It's it's we'll going to be interesting when you sign a guy like that. You got your you put your fate in your hands. Like now, all of a sudden, you get that white elephant deal. And if they and, had just if they had just you, tried to improve a couple years ago. They they stepped in it so hard trying to build around Eichel. They did almost nothing to help him out. He gave them everything he had, and they they really didn't help themselves with putting pieces around him. And I think you know a similar situation is in Anaheim. If they don't figure it out, Gibson's going to want out. Maybe even it's by, the same situation by this deadline. So yeah, they stepped in it. And in terms of not getting him the help that he needs in in a situation where you're like this is a top five center in the league, we need to show him that we're trying to succeed and win and, and get show him a winning culture so that he sticks around and now here we are i got a good question here. it's for the you. same th- situation real quick yeah going on in edmonton yep yeah. oh for sure absolutely you know buffalo with eichel edmonton with with mcdavid it's like they rely on him and they think that that's enough and then they don't put the pieces around them and then they wonder why they're not winning. And then they wonder why their star it's, is disgruntled. Right. So It's never enough. You have to have the support. You've got to have four lines and, and 6D and two goaltenders. And so you got to – I would make a case that that the the uh, support in Buffalo – you bring in Skinner. You bring in Ocposo. You got Ristolainen. You, you, you know, there it was not they, – they underachieved. On the ice, that team underachieved something horrible. Now, in the front office, they've had nothing but rookie GMs. They've not been... Ralph Kruger was not the answer. A rookie coach, followed by Don Granato, who's a good guy, but not he's not going to lead anyone to battle with his resume right now. I mean, no offense to the Granados, which is you know how we feel about them. There's a lot of blame to go around. How much of that falls right on the players? I mean, I know Jeff Skinner's got conky trouble and stuff, but that is a team that, I mean, those guys, they stunk. Yeah. They absolutely stunk outside of uh, Michael's know. line mate there, uh, Olsen. Yeah. I don't know how a guy like Skinner can go from, you know, 36, 37 goals to like 11 points. I just don't know how you, how does that, how do you fall that hard? There's a lot of moving pieces, but it, but at the end of the day, and it's the same argument that I made four or five years ago when Colorado had the 48-point season, the (laughs) abysmal season. One or, I think only two years at that point removed from winning the Central Division under Patty Waugh, Mm -hmm. right, before losing to Minnesota in the first round. At the end of the day, you can put the blame on the coach. Lord knows I was fed up with Joe Sacco for how many years in Colorado or or Greg Sherman as the general manager or anything like that. But at the end of the day, Colorado at that time, especially if we're going to go off the 48-point year, the 48-point year they had Landeskog. They had McKinnon. Yep. They had Duchesne. They also had nine guys on PTOs or waiver wire pickups. They had Johnson, who at that time was healthy and yep. and your stud number old. one defenseman. Yep. And Varlamov, right. who was stealing the show and all this stuff. And guess what? 48 points. Here's and the difference. You, you've got so the the point is it's 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 the argument I made to you about Montreal Stanley Cup final, despite having Gallagher's and these smaller guys. It's not 
just about the size. It's about the buy-in to what you're trying to do. I've made the argument from that 48-point year that Colorado was not, on paper and roster-wise, was not a 48-point team. Something was an underachievement in that year that you can't just chalk up to bad bounce this, coach that, or whatever else. So there's there's a lot at play, per your point, on when does it fall on the players. At the end of the day, you're making the millions. You're relied upon to be the asset to go out and get the job done. And what point do you... Do you do it or not do it? Well, I got. I have one side bet, and we may never know. I mean, it might be a long time before we know. In Colorado, Joe Sackick was able to get McKinnon and Landy and some of his key pieces aside, and explain to them what was going on. Why did we? Why are we playing alongside a half dozen PTOs every night? Why is everybody in our roster? on the bottom nine and the and the last three or four D, why are they all waiver wire pickups? We're in a rebuild. The pendulum's going to swing. Next year, there will be no one left except uh, Blake Como was the only one left from that team. And he's gone on to continually have a great career. He's moved on to Dallas. But when, when your key guys know that you are in this rebuild, you need to give me one year and get Jared Bednar a little bit of experience, and we're going to get a draft pick, which turned out to be Kale McCarr, and we're going to march. Stick with me here. And when you've got when you've got rookies like Botterill and guys like that that are running that show, and and Ralph Kruger behind the bench, like I mean, no offense to those guys, but there. the communication's got to be there. You got to put your arm around Jack Eichel and yeah, say, the "Stick with me, not kid. There to be You're able to the say, guy. Yeah, to be able to say, look." I get it, it's difficult, but just trust us here f- for the next year, maybe two, Yeah, we'll get it. Yeah. But clearly, in Buffalo, Owens, Ducks, they're lacking some sort of communication here, Right. some sort of enthusiasm, some, some sort of movement forward of what are we going to do. Yeah. I, the other, among the blame to go around, and please weigh in. If Jack Eichel's wearing a C, making ten mil, he carry, of, he shoulders a lot of that you, blame. Yeah. At what point do you just fold your tent and say, "Geez, I don't like it here anymore"? You got to. And I'm not. I'm only saying he shares part of that. Yep. Now the underachievement of guys like Skinner and, and Ozo, sure, bad bad breaks with health, but front office, coaching staff. Uh, the superstar himself and the rest of the roster. There is shared blame here. This is I think the only effort. I think the only thing Eichel did wrong was be too vocal about it. Because I mean he he's been everything they have. He's he hasn't, you know, taken nights off. He hasn't disappeared for two weeks. He has full blown been a top five center every single year he's played. And and they just they didn't make moves to put pieces around him. It's just you know it's like when you ask Brady Kachuk, you know, yes he wants to sign in Ottawa if he knows management is going to make the necessary moves to win. Right. He wants to stay there. He loves the guys. But he also said, I want to make sure that you're going to, like, that we're going to try. Right. And I think that's the problem in Anaheim. A lot of those guys, you know, guys like Gibson, who's probably on the most friendly goaltender contract in the NHL, he doesn't see anything happening that gives him the indication that they're moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Bob just sits on his hands. He shops in the bargain bin and doesn't, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't change coaches. He doesn't try to change the culture. 
he's just like, yeah, you know, we'll get some picks and stuff, and you know, and then we'll in the future we'll be good. Well, Gibson's 28, and he's, you know, he's right smack in the middle of his prime, and if you don't do something this season, he's gone. He'll he's going to want to go to Pittsburgh. He's going to want to trade at the deadline. He's not going to deal no, with another season. It's true. It's you a know. it's a it's easy to it's easy to say. Eichel wears the C, so leadership. Well, and he and, showed but that. But here's he here's produced. the thing. Per Owen's point, he's been hit their leader. Yeah. He's been their guy. Fair and enough. So, I, I I think when you wear the C there, and you're on the ice, of course, like it or not, you're going to shoulder at least some blame. What are the chances? But that Jack, Eichel but at win? the end of the day, Eichel, Eichel's done everything. Yeah, he has. No, no, no disrespect to Skinner or anybody else who's who's better than I could ever dream of being. But but Eichel's been the guy. And you think there's any chance that he's already been in the front office and said, uh, you know, like two years ago, and said, if we don't, if we don't Probably. put out this tire fire, maybe I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start taking this crap public because maybe I have given the benefit of, given the benefit of the maybe doubt. He did be, simply, and I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt simply because up to this point he he has not given me a reason not to. Maybe at some point, just like I'm sure, McDavid's already been in it in Edmonton's front office. Right, I'm sure of it. I'm I'm sure Eichel has went two years ago. Yeah, the well, rumors two rumors years started two, two years, years ago. Yes. Two years ago when the rumors started. Two years ago when when O'Reilly was moved to St. Louis. Yeah. Two years ago and all this stuff. Yeah. And said, look, exactly like we've been saying, keep it private. Go in and say, look, something's got to give here, or I or I'm I'm gonna want out. Right. And when he did that, he probably said, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna go public with it too. This is something's got to move. Something's got to change, and it hasn't. And so now here we are. So give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Yeah, I I would say so, and I and that's a good point. I I'm good with that. I just the the neck thing, which I won't get into. I think is a he was he missed the mark there. That's yeah. something you don't. That's something you don't try without being proven. Even the PA won't approve that. Yeah. Um, one quick note is the jury is unanimous on Dallas Eakins, right? Yeah. He is the core of that problem. And you look at it, you look at a locker room like Carolina who would run through a brick wall for Rod the Bod, and then you look at Anaheim and just plays the same game year, you know, for the last three seasons they've just played the same game. They don't you know, they don't have any chemistry, they don't gel well together and they don't play hard. And I think that's Eakins' <laughs> fault. I mean, I gave him the benefit of the doubt when he started. He had a terrible, terrible situation in Edmonton yep. that he got blamed more for than he should have. And I gave him the benefit of the doubt when he stepped in in Anaheim, but he just, he can't get them to play. And is I think he, Anaheim missed the mark on hiring a handful of good coaches this offseason. For what reason, I don't know, but he he doesn't he doesn't have it. I don't think any of the coaching staff in Anaheim has it. They need to overhaul the entire bench. I would have been on is, Rick Tockett's Eakin, phone before he had his yeah. stuff packed out is of his office. Is a yeah, symptom of the problem, though? Meaning Murray is Murray's the issue. Well, Bob's not helping because no. he, you know, his name is Bargain Bob. He doesn't he doesn't make big deals. He hasn't, you know, which is why the Eichel rumors at first were surprising. Yeah, he just doesn't he doesn't take any initiative. You know, he's drafted very very well. I think. I think I heard you know, during the draft this year that Anaheim's had a, the, the highest percentage in the NHL of draft picks play. Yeah, and so he's done that really well. But he can't, you know, he's got to he's got to find pieces. You're not gonna you're not gonna build you're not gonna rebuild solely on draft picks. No, 
I mean, yeah. a team like Colorado accelerated theirs, obviously, with picks like McCarr and stuff, but they also acquired other pieces. Yeah. Holes. That, you know, look at the Rangers. They had the Tom Wilson debacle. They fixed that. They acquired, what, three guys this year that fixed that problem? They, they identify their problem and they attack it. Bob doesn't. Bob's problem is, oh, well, this is what we suck at. You know, I'll try to find a steal somewhere, and you're not going to succeed, you know, finding no. a steal. You can't go, can't go diamond hunting. Well, I asked the question simply because fish rot from the head. Exactly. So, to me, Eakins is a symptom of the main problem, which is Murray. And when, you, when that's the case, when that's the case, Rick talk, it's great. But how much, how much of... How long, and this uh, clearly it's speculation, but how long before Rick Tucker became a problem in Anaheim? Well, Anaheim? I think I think the course of action that they take this year is, I think Eakins should have a 20-game leash. If he can't figure it out in 20 games, get a new one. Ten. If, if the, it, well, yeah, I think he should have been gone already. If he can't figure it out, <laughs> ax him, get a new guy. And if the new guy comes in and the culture is the same, then you know it's Bob. Right. Yeah. Because they have tools. They don't, they don't have a Buffalo roster. They've got... A bunch of kids. They've got you know some veteran leadership with Getzlaff and and Henrique and guys like Silverberg. You got Raquel who still doesn't even. He's making three point seven and he's uh, you know a former thirty goal scorer. They have pieces. They've got one of the best goaltenders in the league. Good fan base. And yeah, it, they just they've got the pieces. They just don't play for their coach. And as much as I think Bob needs to be more proactive. It's. I think it's rests solely on on the coaching staff right now, and I think there's an issue, to, a solution to their issue is to overhaul the bench. I think they'd see immense improvement if Instant. they do that. Well, it's like what you we guys... talked about with Colorado a month or two ago, when with Patty Waugh. Yeah. And um, who was it? Was it? Did I say it was Johnson or or McGinn or somebody came out and said that Waugh's problem was. He, he was like Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, I didn't know if and he was. He was and he was, and he couldn't. He couldn't decide from one practice to the next if he was going to come in and be the old school bag skate guy, or if he was going to come in and shoot the shit and be everybody's buddy. Right. And he couldn't decide. And eventually, after that division winning year and all this stuff, eventually that started to catch up, and now there's a lack of chemistry and there's a lack of build with, with your coach because, you know, and they, they try this all the time. Like Todd McClellan came out of, of Detroit, worked under Babcock, has never been better than really mediocre. Great guy, but just never quite, never quite had the had enough to work with to be a, a dominant coach. Dave, um, oh gosh, what was his uh, assistant coach's last name? Uh, Babcock's, can see the guy had a little Hitler mustache. You can see him at plain as day. Anyway, none of them none of them panned out. Blashell hasn't panned out. He doesn't have any horses. But what I'm saying is the the coach has to be you gotta really pay attention. And if and we talk about it all the time, if we can watch a game on television and we can see after eight or ten shifts or a, the second night we watch this team play, we can see that it's fundamentals, that the coach is, uh, does not have any fundamentals on the ice, then why do you have staffs and millions of dollars full of people and video coaches that you spend all these resources on and you you sit in that press box every night and watch this nonsense and don't do anything? Yeah. It's ridiculous. The, hey, the, I know we got to go. Yeah. Yep. So. I just want to say the best coach Anaheim's had in the last four years was the 25-game stint Murray did behind the bench. He was 14 and 11. <laughs>
<laughs> well, not maybe, wrong. Maybe you could keep him distracted that way. And he well, but he does draft well, like you said, yeah. he drafts well. Anyway, anyway, all right. Well, thanks guys for joining the studio this, hey, this week. This has been great, yep. and uh, appreciate it. I look forward to doing it again. Uh, we'll do it via Zoom we'll for the next little the while, next couple of weeks. Um, but last in studio session for a few weeks with yep. everybody. Oh, appreciate we- it. Thanks for having us in. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Enjoy it, and uh, we'll see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers.